Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast with host Patrick Donahoe, author of the best-selling personal finance book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, and one of the nation's most influential financial advisors. The Wealth Standard's focus this season is investing. 2020 opened with markets and asset prices at all-time highs, but many of us experience more financial uncertainty now than we did a decade ago. Although there are more choices and opportunities than ever before, the risk-to-reward ratio teeters on a global fulcrum, contributing to the roller coaster of emotions surrounding financial well-being. It seems like everyone is walking on eggshells. This season, we'll cover topics revolving around investment theory and strategy, atypical investments versus conventional investments, and the role of investing within personal wealth strategies. The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future than now. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week. This is the Wealth Standard Podcast. My name is Patrick Donahoe. I'm your host. Hope you guys are safe. I hope you're enjoying your summer. I hope you're enjoying just paying attention to everything that's going on. It's quite a, a world and society that we, that we live in. I decided to go online and, and research some of the most frequently asked questions through Google as it relates to the topic of the Wealth Standard which typically revolves around investments, finance, entrepreneurship. And there was a question that surprised me. And so I wanted to have a good friend of mine, Jason Hartman. He's the host of the Creating Wealth Show, as well as I think seven or eight other podcasts. This guy's definitely busy. And I had Jason on because Jason is very informed, thinks outside of the box. And I thought it was a great discussion. And the question is, will things go back to normal? Will the economy rebound? So this week's episode is a little bit shorter. Jason and I just spend a few minutes on that. And I think it's going to give you some decent insight into what's going on in the economy. And I'm going to reserve some additional commentary of my own for after the show. So if you feel so inclined, go ahead and stick with me until then. Guys, we have a ton of resources available on the website and we're adding more. We have a couple things that are in the works right now that I'm excited about. Head over to thewellstandard.com forward slash resources and check that out. There is a couple of free courses uh, as well as well as other material that's important to me that I feel will bless you guys and impact the way in which you do business and enjoy life. Okay, now to my interview with Mr. Jason Hartman. Taking a break from the show... You know, entrepreneurs inspire me. I love meeting leaders of successful ventures who discover an idea, formulate the business, and then execute. You'd assume that they know how to structure their personal finances. I believed that too, but I was wrong. Entrepreneurs are never taught to effectively manage their wealth to work alongside their business and lifestyle. All of that work, effort, toil, and time wasted. Entrepreneur 101 is an online course that teaches you a financial strategy that works so that success is not a flash in the pan, but lasting. The spirit of the entrepreneur doesn't have to be compromised. Register for the Entrepreneur 101 course today for free 
at thewealthstandard.com forward slash E-N-T. That's Echo November Tango. Thewealthstandard.com forward slash E-N-T. Hey, Jason. So there's a, there's a question that I've seen more and more of, and it's understandable because of the environment that we're in, but it's why the economy will rebound. And also, or not, or not, right? Or <laughs> yeah. not, it, because I think there are sentiments and signals that point to it not rebounding, but also signals pointing to it rebounding. So, what are your thoughts on that? I think we are in a time where we are going to see what I've dubbed the square root recovery uh, or the modified square root recovery. And you know, Pat, how everybody's talking about is it going to be a U shaped recovery with a long valley, or is it going to be a V? We went down pretty hard and we're going to come back pretty quick. And, you know, things are coming back. It's really nice to see that. Uh, It's sort of faster than I thought. But I think ultimately what we're going to see this type of recovery is going to be square root sign is like this. Remember, it goes along, then it goes down, then it goes up, and it's up higher. Okay. Well, the modified square root is it's going along, goes down with the pandemic comes up, but it comes up lower. And that's the kind of recovery I think we're going to see. I think we are waking up and we're just barely waking up to it now, but the world, and this is not just the US, the whole world is going to wake up to a smaller economy than it had before. And that's initially. However, the good news is that number one, there's Lots of opportunity for investors, even in that environment, okay, with the mass migration to suburbia and all of that stuff we've talked about on our mutual podcast. But the other thing is that there are a lot of efficiencies being created in the economy over the past couple of months that we don't know how efficient that's going to make us, but I think it's pretty good. And we both were talking off air today about how much more efficient we can be not traveling. Now, that's terrible for the airline industry and the hotel industry and many other industries that are related. But for business people, you can just get a lot more stuff done when you stay put, okay? So that's an efficiency. The efficiency of remote work, extremely efficient. A lot of new technologies that have come up to meet the needs of remote workers. So there's a lot of efficiencies being created too. Will that overcome the disasters that are being created? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But when I look I, at the the rebound and it begs the question, rebound to what, right? And if it's to rebound to what was before, I don't think so. I think it's in a sense, as you alluded to, going to be better. But you know, right now is kind of the in-between of when something happens, right? That causes plans, assumptions to not work anymore. And what humanity does in times of need, which is innovate. I mean, they figure out ways of doing things different. And it's usually better. And right now, the outcome of traveling is, well, I need to meet with this person. I need to get this deal done. Or I need to go visit somebody. Or I need to X, Y, Z. But now people are figuring out other ways to do that. And I would say, in a sense, more efficient ways to do that. Oh, no question about it. That's the genius of humanity is they rebound. Now, yeah. will the economy rebound? Not to the same degree, I don't, I don't think, but humanity will rebound. They always have. And it's times like these, especially with 
the extreme nature of what happened, the shutdown and, and so forth. And then we have protests and rights. I mean, there's a lot of extreme things going on. But I believe that, you know, it's the yin and the yang. The more extreme, right, the more on the other side of the spectrum it's going to grow to. And so it's, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, necessity is the mother of invention. And that has certainly been showing a lot lately. No question about it. So I miss seeing yes. you. I miss hanging out with you. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, well, guess, we're doing it now. <laughs> I guess as you do. Yeah. I know. It's it's not the same. There's no question about it. But mm. in a lot of ways, it does create a lot of efficiency. So we'll see. But can you imagine? I mean, look at the size of the industries that have been hit hard from this. And I mean, the layoffs and the bankruptcies and the foreclosures that will come out of this, it's significant. There's no question about it. But there are some areas of the economy that are interestingly very insulated. I mean, low-cost necessity housing in my world, very insulated. Now, what's interesting about your business, though, which is so unique, you know, insurance, as I always talk about, it's one of the most unique industries in the world because it has this very unique characteristic negative cost of capital and meaning that you pay for it before you get the get it, right? Which most things you get it and then you pay for it or you pay for it at the same time you get it, right? But insurance, you pay for it first. So insurance companies have an interesting thing. Now you're on the life insurance side, but other insurance has been is going to be hugely hit. I mean, wow. Uh, <laughs> with the civil unrest and all the damage and all those insurance claims all the business interruption claims from that, but previously COVID and continuing COVID. So the insurance industry is going to be pretty hard hit from that. But I don't know about life insurance. Like your business is good through all this, right? I mean... Yeah, they. you look at history, right? That's really the only, the only barometer you have. But you look at history and they've been able to thrive through some challenging times, you know, world, world wars, other epidemics, pandemics, because these industries have been around for a couple hundred years. And for them, it's very similar to your, your industry where everybody needs a place to live, right? right? And there's kind of a median part of the bell curve right. where that sits a lot of people, right? Tens, yeah. probably hundreds of millions of people. Right. They don't need a really expensive place to live no. in a city, but they do need a place to live. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. So it's one of those things where it's like, whether it's a, a building or a car or a business interruption insurance, I would say that those are micro, but from the life side of things, it's macro. It's everybody and it's, and it's life. Like these are circumstances that don't have a huge impact on mortality. But I have seen where it is more difficult from a health standpoint to go through, get certain approval ratings and health ratings. But at the same time, nothing else has been really impacted. In fact, these are the times where these types of companies thrive because they have a lot of capital and they know how to make good investment. And I would say the best investments they've made in the past are, you know, that investor behavior curve, right? It's when times are the worst is when they are typically ready to pull the trigger. They have dry powder to do that. Mm -hmm. So do you monitor what life insurance companies are investing in? Of course. Is that something you really look at? So tell yeah. us about that. That's interesting because well, they, they, used to, they used to always like office buildings and shopping centers. And of course, those are hard hit. Now, the multifamily apartment side, and they invest in that. If it's not high rise, I think that's going to do pretty well where you know you have some social distancing opportunities and not have to go in elevators, garden style apartments. And, yeah, and, and they're institutional investors. The deals that they participate in are really big. So it's not a, a one-off 
multifamily apartment. You know, these are bigger buildings. It could be developments. It could be land. That's an example I use quite often is one of the companies we work with purchased a, a huge parcel of land on the Boston Harbor during kind of like the 2000, 2001, during those, you know, dot-com crash plus 9-11. But they bought a huge plot of land for like $100 million and have sold individual parts of that parcel for over a billion. So it's wow. one of those, you know, these are, again, there aren't many people or companies that can write a $100 million check, right? But insurance companies, these big mutual private companies yeah. can. Yeah, that's amazing. So have you seen any evidence of they've changed their focus, that they're more focused on housing versus shopping centers? Because the shopping centers will be really hard hit. The office space will be really hard hit. The housing's good. You know, there are other asset class. Medical office, I'd say, would be pretty good. That'll be the one office category that'll probably be okay through this. Does it get that granular in your, your view of it? Not usually. There's regulations as far as what they can invest in, how much of their portfolio based on the rating of the company, because they're all rated. There's a few different rating agencies, similar to how companies, you know, just publicly traded companies are rated that take out debt. Uh, insurance companies are also rated. And so based on their size and based on their rating, it gives them some flexibility as far as where they can invest, but it's regulated. So in large part, they have very safe assets. They have big positions in the debt of really strong, stable companies, but they own mortgages. And these are mortgages usually on commercial properties and their LTVs are at extremely low rates. I mean, you, you rarely see... So the loan to value ratio is low. So the Yeah, because when there's a default, there's saying. a default on like a bond, right? Yeah. That they own, or there's a default on the real estate that they own, right? That impacts the way in which they're rated and subsequently what they can invest in. So but they do release reports as far as their portfolio is concerned. And you can okay. see that on an annual basis. Not Let, Let's flip to the other side of that equation though. What about the consumer side of it? So have you seen these life insurance companies, are they being more strict on their underwriting criteria? Are they rejecting more applicants? Are they raising their prices for insurance? In other words, that's a barometer of whether or not they think the risk is higher. What's going on there? Definitely. So first off, there's regulations around the you know, mortality expenses. Okay, So there's a whole commission that does this. And they usually do it about every 10 years. There was actually one done in 2017, the most recent one. So there's a regulation on that from that standpoint. However, there are different tiers of health that a person can be in. And there's all sorts of different criteria. And so there, I've seen them adjusting those. Yeah. So it's if somebody is older and has some health conditions, that is something that is definitely high risk these days, given COVID. So we've seen Right. So they've, they've, they've increased the price and they're declining more yep. people, right? But price is higher too? Price is higher because of ratings, right? So they can adjust how they rate somebody. So if you have a, you know, a standard way in which mortality is measured, right? Then you can have substandard or above standard. Okay. And above standard gives you a little bit better rating. Substandard gives you a worse rating. So the actual standard, they can't, they don't touch. That's regulated. But the above and below standard, they can't. What else can you tell us about that? I mean, well, it's one, it's one of those things tactics. where it's a sign that they know how to respond during difficult times. And I, I would say from an economy rebounding and or not rebounding, it's the companies that don't have the experience of downturns that are getting hurt or that have overextended themselves. And these are big companies. Starbucks just announced that 500 locations are going away. 
right? So it's one of those like big companies are reacting to it because it wasn't necessarily, you know, these events weren't priced into their business model. And now that it's there, I would say you're going to have a different way of doing business. I'm not sure if wages are going to get hit or benefits are going to get hit. I don't know, but companies are going to act differently because now what's priced into their business model is something like COVID, some black swan event that can come out of left field and disrupt the entire world economy for two and a half months. Jason, I was, I was interested. Yesterday, I got a news flash and there was this guy that was in a silent retreat for 90 days. And 90 days. Wow. Yeah, and he he just, missed and he everything. Just, and he just wow. got out. So I, I challenged my 15-year-old daughter. I said, okay. and Because she was sitting next to me. I said, all right. So if I'm that person... Right. Talk to me about what went on over yeah. the last 90 days. <laughs> Explain it to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what you know what's amazing is the time perception for all of us, the entire world has just changed so much because the news was just coming at us so quickly. And then with the civil unrest sort of at the time that the reopenings were starting, it's really crazy. But do you realize that the biggest news story of 2020, we thought it could have been. What was going on in January? You realize what was going on in January? The Australian wildfires. That's true. Nobody's even thinking about Nobody that. Nobody even now. remembers. Yeah. And right before that were the Amazon wildfires, right? It's like that's out of our collective consciousness. And it just goes to show you that people in some ways have a really short memory. And, you know, collectively, we can't pay attention to that much. We just can only pay attention to a few things. And I notice this whenever I go and, you know, I'm sort of kicking back in a hotel room on a trip somewhere. And, you know, I'll just let the news play. And I do not do this at home, by the way. And, you know, many times I haven't even had a TV at home. I just can't handle the commercials and the garbage on it. But I'll just turn on a news station on the TV in a hotel room a lot of times and just let it play. And it's like the same six stories over and over all day long. If you're there for a conference, you go to the conference in the morning, turn on the news, you come back, turn on the news. It's like the same six stories. It's just a repeat. And I, I think to myself, isn't there anything else going on in the world? Of course there is. There's way more. But maybe they're just lazy and they don't cover the other things. Or it's just that people can't perceive any more than that. That's entirely possible. So, But I also uh, say that these are, these are times when I think people think differently. That's why the questions that you and I have been answering are so important because they're different questions that may have not been asked previous to COVID. And so you look now at the disruption and I think there's more questioning of media and people are asking themselves, it's about time. Is, is that true? <laughs> way, right? Yeah, is that perspective right. right? Is there another perspective? Yeah. And trying to form that because it does, you know, media definitely has the majority of people's attention. Yeah, and that's yeah. where they get influenced. And then because of our upbringing and most people in the, in the public school system, we're taught to listen and to obey in a sense. And we have to do what we're told. I think people are questioning it these days. And I think that's yeah. a good thing because now it's they're going to seek out thing, other yeah. forms of media and news and have ways in which they can validate what's true and what's not. And sadly, those ways are being censored by the big, disgusting tech companies. We are on one of their platforms right now. <laughs> and uh, it's really scary. And love them or hate them, I got to tell you, Trump has made some really good points about the media. I mean, they are just, they have an agenda. Totally. This is not about free speech. Of course, free speech is important. It's incredibly important. But the mainstream media has been telling free lies in so many ways. It's so biased. It's just 
ridiculous and it's just like dividing people more and more. It's awful. We'll see what comes of it. It's well, uh, I think there's two kind of converging forces within like an individual that fuels it. The first one is people hate to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And if they're wrong or they're challenged, like they resist and they fight it. And the other one is to be deceived. People hate being deceived, lied to, told mistruths. And it's kind of like you have this conversion of these two very powerful forces. Yeah. And in in the end, you know, I think humanity in a sense always prevails. It's just a, a matter of time and what else has to happen. Takes a long time, though, sometimes to work through those cycles. Unfortunately, it does. It does. It does. But we shall see. Okay, so the upshot of this is my opinion is modified square root recovery. Okay, we're going along. Economy was booming, went down, coming back up, but we're going to come up less than before. But the good news, some efficiencies have definitely been created and we'll see how those pay off over the coming years. Your opinion, to wrap it up, I think it's somewhat similar to mine, but what do you think? It is. At the same time, the variable that I'm concerned about is because everything is fueled by credit, if credit contracts, I think that's going to negatively affect the economy. So I look at how do you measure the economy? Again, economy will rebound. Will rebound as a function of measurement because you're rebounding to a certain measurable level. And I believe that paying attention to the Fed, what they're doing, how they're stimulating expansion, contraction of credit. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I think that's going to be a variable that may make some of our assumptions invalid, right? These are these kind of black swan variables that who knows what's going to happen. At the same time, like I said, long-term, I agree with you. I think that the economy is going to be even better because it's going to be more efficient. There's going to be less waste. Yeah. Yep. Interesting stuff. All right, everybody. Happy investing and thanks for listening in today. Thank you, Jason. Hey guys, thanks for those who decided to uh, to stick around. I hope you guys enjoyed that short interview with Jason. He's a great guy. Check out his podcast, The Creating Wealth Show. I believe he does uh, a couple shows a week and he has, I think, over 1,200, 1,300. Guy's a machine and he's really smart. And we obviously just scratched the surface. He's been on the show before, but uh, if you guys have not had a chance to to follow him, I definitely would uh, would encourage it. So now I want to comment on just some some thoughts I've had as I've reflected on Jason and I's interview, uh, just as well as the question that was posed, which is, you know, will things go back to normal? It's been interesting living through this. I think we're going to look back on these times and and really appreciate them and see some change in us, some growth, hopefully. But it's just different. It's different than what any anyone anticipated. What I've been thinking about lately, right, is the idea of challenging and difficult times. And in hindsight, I think we see how they've changed us, helped us. But oftentimes, we don't go into those difficult times with that attitude, with that perspective. And I believe now is an opportunity to do that. That's something I've talked a lot about on the show is just how these times kind of refine who we are, help us understand, grow. And without challenging times, I don't see how much growth is possible. It might be marginal at best. And so this kind of came to an important discussion in my family recently, specifically with my two teenage daughters. And I think all most children, they grow up in the United States. In fact, all of them, if you compare the United States to other parts of the world, whether it's third world countries in Africa or the Middle East or India, as well as Asia. And I look at sometimes how we have this 
amazing learning experience from challenging times, yet we try to position our life to never have them. And it's interesting how that works. I'm not going to say it's a paradox. Maybe it is. But I realized something in the last couple of weeks in relation to my, my daughters, my two teenagers, because you know, they've experienced you know, this shutdown and it, it's different. At the same time, I look at it being a challenge and it also being an environment where you can just as easily complain about and sit back and relax and accept the paycheck from the government and not do anything. And I know why that happened. At the same time, I believe that we have the biggest opportunity cost when you paper over challenges, especially these black swan challenges, because humanity thrives during these times. And it's not always in the moment, especially in the beginning moments. But as we figure things out and we find solutions and we innovate, things become even better. And I think there's going to be instances of that because lots of companies are failing, going bankrupt, weren't prepared. And there's going to be some really valuable lessons learned from that, which is good. But I look at you know my kids and looking at how they interact with me, their little brother, others. And for the most part, they're incredible. But I've noticed lately a sense of entitlement, a sense of selfishness, and a very narrow perspective of life. And I wouldn't expect them to have a broader perspective. They haven't experienced very challenging things. And I even look at those of us who live in the United States who benefit from so many things that we take for granted as you compare us and our circumstances to the the rest of the world, but yet you still find yourself complaining, getting frustrated, getting irritated. And so for me, I've, I've kind of stepped back and I've looked at, wow, what an incredible time that we live in. What an incredible opportunity for me to be more aware of, of who I am and be more aware of why I'm in this situation. So the first thing I did with my girls, is I wrote them a letter about their mom. And even though the content of the letter is known to them, I wanted to put some emotion into it. So the gist of the letter was telling them about their mom. And for those of you who have listened to the podcast for a while, you know, she was on, my wife was on here a couple of years ago and we had a podcast and discussed some of this, but you know, she grew up in some pretty horrible circumstances in, in Mexico, very poor city. She lived in a cinder block home. There was only three rooms, cinder block or a concrete floor, a small shower. She never had her own bedroom bed. She always slept with her brothers or slept with her, her mom. Her dad wasn't around. He was working outside of Mexico and she had to be an adult at a very young age, cooking, cleaning, taking care of her brothers, helping them with her school, their schoolwork. But she did it. She did her own. She got good grades and she accomplished some pretty amazing things. And it, you know, she didn't have anything. She didn't have Christmas presents, Christmas, birthday presents. They didn't have food that often. And she doesn't like to talk about this at all. And I'm reluctant to talk about it either. But the point is those challenging times put her in a position right? To either accept and be happy with them or to shrink. And those circumstances, those experiences of life impacted her in a big way and formed her into the woman she is today and their, and their mom. And there's a lot of other things I talked about in, the, in this letter. But the point of me talking about this letter is to give a different perspective of life and on an intimate level because it's their mom. 
and to show you how difficult, challenging times help and change us. And right now, whether it's talking back or refusing to do things, being dishonest, treating little kids, especially six-year-olds who have way too much energy and they can be irritating sometimes, but it's to be composed. It's to be patient. And as I thought about that, and as I thought about myself and thought about you as listeners, if you haven't turned this off by now, it's looking at the world and recognizing that these are experiences that we have no control over, but we do have control over how we act, how we show up. And when we look at the world in hindsight, by asking the question, will things go back to normal? Will the economy rebound and go back to the way it was? I think we missed the point because whether that's true or not, I think it's the wrong question. I think the perspective to take is, how am I going to do better, be different, be better, help more people, be a better steward over my circumstances? And that's what I'll end with. I think you know, I started to approach life a little bit differently lately where I recognize that life may not be coincidental. Life may be by design. And the people I meet, interact with every day may be for a reason. Whether that's true or not, I probably will never know. But what occurred to me is knowing that I can show up in a very good way every single day, every single moment, and enjoy it. Whether it's smiling to a stranger or helping somebody reaching out to somebody, sending a text. There's a lot of people that are in need. A lot of people are lonely these days. But having a perspective of making somebody's day better, making my team's day better, inspiring, motivating, finding the opportunities to do that has really impacted me in a a good way, in a positive way. And I believe that's possible for all of you. It's looking at your circumstances and looking at what you're going to experience tomorrow, the next day, the next day, and realizing that in those moments, the people that you meet, the people that you interact with, the people that just happen across your path, there could be some amazing opportunities there. But I believe we have a stewardship to show up as the best person for those moments. And I believe that that is by design and that's how I'm operating. And it's been really awesome to observe. So right now we look at some crazy times I hope things don't go back to normal. I hope we all are better from this. I hope we innovate. I hope we find new relationships. I hope we seek out experiences and do things differently than what we would have done in the past. I think if we show up as the same person after this, man, we've missed a big opportunity to grow. Okay, that's all I wanted to share with you guys. Have an amazing week. Go check out the show notes for links to Jason's podcasts as well as any other links that we talked about in there. And also check out the website. Make sure you bookmark it, subscribe to the newsletter. We're emailing weekly. So, okay, that's it. See you guys. Thanks for listening and or watching. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. 
And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Oh,